It's a Tomato Tom follow-up. It's called Mike and the Tomato Stock. Are you taking that after the beanstalk, like Jack? Yes. Okay, well, Mike and the... Okay, it's a brand new one. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your Midwest Garden Podcast. We have a quick follow-up episode because rookie gardener, four-year rookie gardener, Scott, started asking questions after the Tomato Tom episode. You started asking the questions, and it seems like you were telling everybody else to ask them as well. But first, we have Mike's favorite part of the show... Da, 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 da. The how, what? Well, housekeeping. I was gonna say homework. No, homework is what we do for the subject. Housekeeping is bonus material. Mike the Magnificent should be able to to take care of this in no problem. Or Mike and the Beans. No, Mike and the Tomato Stock. Uh, Mike and the Tomato Stock. Yes. All right. We have a listener that is doing fantastic work in her neighborhood. She's been doing this a long time. We found out about this, and we want to give a little shout-out to this group of people. Her name is Amy Danforth, and what she has been doing for years is taking kids in the neighborhood and having them work around her house in the garden. Can we cut? What? I don't want to take any kids anywhere. That reminds me of Hansel and Gretel and the Mean Witch. (laughs) So why don't we... Oh, she, so we're she, tying all these uh, we're, we're fables tying. in? <laughs> yeah, this, we're tying. Lady, this lady is a godsend. She's been helping to educate the, and, you know, take the curiosities of children in the neighborhood, her neighborhood, and helping them help her with her garden. And it's been growing exponentially. She got in contact with Scott. And I'll let Scott explain even in more detail uh, how this basically developed. She's been doing this for quite some time. Yeah, quite some time it looks like. Because let's I'm gonna let's talk about her success already before you question any of this. She has one former kid gardener helper that became a landscape architect. She has Whoa. another one that owns his own landscape business. Whoa! So she's been doing this for a few years. Her youngest um, student, may we call them. Uh, is a four-year-old what? who's just learning the ropes of gardening. So all these kids in the neighborhood, all parent-approved, you know, everybody's a happy, you know, old 70s-style fun neighborhood. Is this like a community garden? Well, no, it's her garden, her yard. Okay. She's got a big yard. Okay. And she can't do all the work herself. So she's got some kids that were interested years ago and like, what are you doing? And one kid said, well, I want to go with Pete because he's helping Amy. And, and it just kept building over the years. And they're watching these things develop. Yes. And grow. Yes. So all, they're all kids in her neighborhood. They have a good time learning gardening, you know, obviously at a very early age. Well, how to produce their own food also. I mean, this is a vegetable garden, right? Uh, vegetable, flowers. They do uh, landscape bricks around trees. Just no kidding. Interesting things to keep them going. And uh, Amy says the uh, they're always very sad when they have to pull it out at the end of well, the year. Well, I am every year, too. It's a depressing time of year, Scott. She says they are learning the value of planning, hard work, not to mention the satisfaction of seeing the, the gardens grow. They bring their parents over and 
show the, off their work. And here's the funny one. A couple of kids have been known to correct their parents while working at their own house. <laughs> no kidding. So, yeah. A big, Be careful, children. Yeah. A big shout out to Amy and what she's doing in her neighborhood. You know, it's kind of, it's it's a great little neighborhood, so it may be hard to replicate in other areas, but, you know, if you want to give it a shot, you, you need some help, you know, maybe well, the you reason could do I, that. I asked if this was a community garden, and it, it, uh, basically you've got the kids in the neighborhood. When you're talking kids in the neighborhood, we used to play stickball in the middle of the street. We used to, you know, yell, car! We used to be able to, but that's done because I'm 67 years old and I can't go out in the street and run away from a car. But I can go out and garden. Now, mind you, the curiosity, does anybody remember the 60s show, Dennis the Menace? Oh, yeah. And I always go, hey, Mr. Wilson, what are you doing? And now it's, hey, Amy, what are you doing? And Amy invites him over. And now this is a continued aspect of fulfilling their curiosity and not telling them to go away from me, kid. I don't want to have anything to do with this. In today's world, we have less and less young kids that are interested in, you know, after school work, I'm going to be blunt and just say it. I mean, it's hard to find high school kids that want to work unless it involves a computer. This is great. Not, I'm not saying these people, I mean, she's had two very successful landscape people now, not every one of these kids is going to go into gardening, which is fine. I'm just saying for your own home, when they, when these kids grow up and they own their own home, they're going to be like, "Eh, I know how to plant a garden. So we're not saying you need, you know, like me, I'm not, this is not my career, but it's just a little side, you know, my kids well, you are grown. Found it's at 50 just fun. years of age, yeah. Scott, you found it, uh, your curiosity has never been really fulfilled. You've been married to a woman that owned a landscape company, garden center, egg place for the last 35, 40 years. And then now you're just trying, starting to come <laughs> up with curiosity about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, he, he's, I, he's got in touch with Amy and he's helping now too. So I got involved. So I had to learn. Well, you did. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go there at the garden center and not know anything. I got to learn something. Well, now here's the other. So that's an internal drive that hopefully these kids will take on when they get older. Well, they wouldn't have any curiosity if they didn't have that internal drive. And it's also teaching them something that they can sustain their own. Well, that food sources they can grow their own. Uh, They're not going to be stuck to the phone all the time. I'm wondering if they're getting bored with the phone or if they're being indoctrinated by it. But. Or they have just great parents that are like, you're limited on electronics. Get outside. Go and play. outside and stickball, dodge cars, or plant a garden. What's that video that's running around when somebody, some guy asks, or did, did you guys really drink from a hose when I saw that? <laughs> and the lady's like, let me set you straight. We weren't even allowed in the house until 10 o'clock at night. That's why they ran that commercial. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? Because we were not allowed in. <laughs> It's funny. I thought that was hilarious. I, uh, okay. Getting back to Amy's helpers, we have gotten permission from their parents to mention their first names. Give them kudos. Get, we're going to give them a big shout out here, kids. All so, right, guys and gals, you listening? Y'all ready? Anderson, congrats. He's her newest helper. Yay! He's age four. And she says he really looks up to the older helpers. Well done, Anderson. So we have Caitlin, Matthew, and Nathan. They're all siblings. We have Nora and Rowan, also siblings. Alex, Dominic, a lot of siblings. Everybody's a sibling here. Uh, Ellie and Corey are also siblings. And then we have Carson and Emerson. 
Hey, so let's congrats, do a shout guys. out, people. Yeah. Hey, you so know, this is Amy's super. helpers. Keep it up. Now, uh, do, are they having competition? I mean, for who's got the biggest and best and juiciest tomato? Uh, uh, uh? I, I don't. I don't think it's. Well, it's not you a competition. Don't need to reward everything. We're we're not rewarding. We're basically going for. Com we're competing. Oh, that's not it, it, supposed that's, to happen this way. This is involving. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, they're all getting their. You know what? These guys probably know more than say the average thirty-year-old right now about how to grow their own sustaining food sources. Bingo, bingo, bingo. Well done, people. Thank you, Mom and Dads, for uh, allowing them to go out there and with Amy to create. I'm expecting to have questions from them in a couple of years. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, what you know, when they're 16 and, you know, we're in this, well, I, <laughs> I'll be 70-something. You'll be in your 60s. Carson and Dominic, we challenge you to go on our Facebook page and ask us a question. You betcha. For all the other kids too. It doesn't matter. Well, right? any of them to come in, or you yeah. can get a group question. I mean, yeah. you can you can get a collective there and say, "Okay, do you know the difference between determinate and indeterminate tomato?" Congrats, kids, and moving on. So today's show is based upon me. Yes, you asking a bunch of questions as I was working the garden center. I started looking around at some of the fertilizers for tomatoes and started comparing numbers because we talked about to get buds. You need phosphorus. Can I interject, Scott? No. Well, I'm going let, to. Let me finish what I had thought. Okay, go for it. What I learned, and you can correct me. I'm not going to correct you. I have to leave here whole. <laughs> Was in order to get good buds on your tomatoes, phosphorus is very important. Well, and for that matter, any bloom on any plant. You know, that phosphorus. sounds like when I was working at the garden center, your wife's garden center, that you recently are becoming more interested in learning how to garden. Um, basically, people would come in and say, hey, I'm growing tomatoes indoors in the middle of January. And it sounds identical to the same thing that you're saying. In order to get flour, what do you do? Phosphorus. And that's right. Now, go for it. These bags that are made, you know, specifically for tomatoes and veggies, which, I mean, some of those are just universal. It didn't have much phosphorus in them. And then, uh, so I called Mike and I said, I found one product that's a 0.450 super phosphate. And I was like, so this is what we should be using in the garden for our tomatoes to get those blooms. And I was just like, but 45 is a big number. So I call Mike up and I say, you could be dangerous with this product using it alone, couldn't you? All the other numbers and all the other products are pretty even. So how do I get phosphates? And then Mike said, well. Well, now you can get phosphates basically out of, you, the, first of all, let's go back a little bit. Yeah. The fertilizer that you were talking about in the bags was extremely low, like a 3.9 and a 2. Um, and they're considered, they're, they're OMRI certified, which is an organic certification. Um, they're, they're, they're derived from usually vegetation. And uh, the, they're sharing the vegetation, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Uh, other phosphates or other nutrients, primarily, let's say the water-soluble fertilizers that come one tablespoon per gallon of water, and you do it in the early evening hour at the base of the plant only once a week for three weeks. I'll even name the Miracle Grows and the uh, the Peters, the Jack's Classic, that sort of thing. That is derived from oil. Now, if you're going to be growing organically, that's not necessarily the way you want to go. If you don't care if it's organic or not, 
you can go with any uh, formulation that they come up with. For instance, some of the formulations, and we've discussed this before, but in class right now, we're going to have a test on this, Scott. What number on the analysis? You'll see three numbers. What number is the phosphorus? It's the middle one. It's the middle number. And you'll see that certain ones, like the miracle Grow, has the Bloom Booster. You have the uh, Peters, the Jack Classic, any of the water solubles, they're going to have a higher uh, number in the center there. That higher number is going to help to stimulate the flower. That's all they want it for is because of the more flower you have, the more likelihood you're going to have as far as fruit goes. So you can cut that off after about two to three applications. Um, but the, the big bags that you get, for instance, phosphorus is, can come in a number of different ways. The 45% sometimes can come from derived from the oils, but most likely is coming from rock phosphate. And that, too, is a natural substance. But, of course, so is the natural substance oil is. That's carbon. So, in essence, you've got to watch out what you're going to be using it for. You can use the rock phosphate that's 45% around the base of any plant, but you're done for the season. Do not do it once a week for three weeks. That's going to fulfill your need for the entire growing season, in theory. Unless you've got certain types of vegetables that you're going to be growing that you want to continue to stimulate fruiting. Um, but in this case, you can lock out. We've had some... It, well, wait, wouldn't that be like using it on a, a continued use on indeterminate tomatoes? You hear the applause? Thank you, thank you, thank Scott you. Scott learned. Yes, that's it. Now, do you want to carry on from that? Well, so, well, because you want those to keep going, so you keep n or wanting producing. new blooms. Right. So that's, therefore, you would use a 0450. Or you could go use the, the water-soluble. Or you right, could right. even, but see, you, here's the deal. When you're using the organics and you want to stick strictly to organic, that can give you probably a lesser yield than you would if you're going to play with Mother Nature. Um, if you're going to go strictly all the way across the board, it doesn't matter if it's determinate or indeterminate. It's going to only produce what that plant can produce with what nutrients you've given them. Right. So in this case, if you're going with low nutrients, sure, you're going to have natural, organic, but you may not have the amount of flour that you're going to need for the amount of fruit that you're going to ask for or want. So you not necessarily cheat, but every once in a while, instead of, you know, you get a cold, it works in pneumonia. If you want to increase something a little bit, you might go from the natural to, let's say, a, a rock phosphate and put it around the base of it, but don't put it down once a week, three weeks in a row like you would the Miracle Grow or the, the Jack's Classic. You do that once, you hold off until you want to stimulate some new flower for new fruit. And that should take about another, oh, say, four to six weeks. Can you burn your vegetation out like you would a lawn with a high number? Well, you wouldn't burn it out. And this is what Mike said. You can lock out certain other nutrients, meaning that you use too much of the phosphorus or the phosphates. It will not allow the plant to take any type of... Uh, Nitrogen or potassium, and also which it's going to need for stronger stalks and for and a stronger bingo. root system. And this is when the light bulb went off. I said, wait a minute. Mike mentioned stalks. This is the whole point of this. I think people forget about if you want a big old tomato. A big old tomato. Big old one. Yeah. Uh, you kind of need a strong stock to support that sucker, even if you have a tomato cage. Well, and I just said, uh, like, light bulb is like, bingo. It's like, big tomato, needs support, need a big stock, and then therefore, and that's why you don't find, like, a potassium-only 
tomato fertilizer because you need those others in order to do their job, a.k.a. build a stock. Can I make it a little bit more simpler than what I would say that a uh, I, I got to use the cough button. Um, there's a uh, <laughs> you got you got the leaves on a plant. Let's let's compare them to what we've been doing. We're going natural. We're going saving the earth. We're doing all of this. The plant's leaves are like, imagine them being solar panels. And the amount of sunlight that you're going to get so that photosynthesis can occur, you got to have more solar panels. So what product are you going to use? Or on? bigger solar panels. Yeah, but what are you going to use to increase the amount of solar panels or leaves? That's nitrogen. Okay. Now, once you got all those leaves... What are you going to use to produce flowers so that you can have fruit? Well, then that's your phosphate. Now. now, we're right now on the very last one. And in order to have the overabundance, not necessarily the size of the fruit, but the abundance of fruit, you can get a lot of fruit on that, but the plant will not be able to sustain it unless you support it somehow. And we're not talking just tomato steaks or tomato cages. We're talking what, Scott? Well, the stem itself of the plant. And how do you do that? Well, and then that's your third, your potassium or potash. Bravo! We are now on to this, but then there's micronutrients for the health of all around the plant, like right. the, the boron, the, the uh, uh, potassium, the calcium, you know, the, 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 that sort of stuff is basically going to be allowing the plant to continue to develop without any interruption, the perfect tomato. Therefore, light bulb moment... I was looking for something just to help with the buds. There is something out there. Yeah. But maybe you need a bigger stalk because you need more water coming through that stalk to support your bigger fruits. Did you ever notice when you cut the stalks down at the end of the year or, or even pinch off a sucker that you got that little viney stuff that's in there? Yeah. That's a fiber that basically helps to support the stalk. It'll increase the fiber. It'll thicken the fiber. It'll make the stalk even more structured like a tree trunk. Okay, so uh, that kind of like, you know, I was trying to push, push blooms, push blooms, and I was just like, wait a minute, you also need the stalk to support that. So that, I mean, that's I, what I in, in all my homework for doing tomatoes over the years, I've never seen uh, people mention, you know, stock. You know, more people talk about leafing, which we call solar panels, right? Um, but nobody really talks about the stock and how you really... Do they even talk about the roots? Uh, I mean, it's just like you kind of glanced over well, mycorrhizae for the roots and right. make them happy. And well, the potassium it. helps to develop the root as well. A more aggressive okay. and thicker root base is going to support the top growth as well. And in order for the mycorrhizae to kick in, you got to have something of a root to take it over with. And, you know, so it's a symbiotic relationship, kind of like barnacles on a whale. Well, that's not symbiotic, is it? No. Well, forget they, that point. They slow the whale down. They do. Okay. <laughs> they slow a sailboat down, too. Didn't know that. Well, when you're racing sailboats, you don't want anything on that hull. What's a hull? That's Is that like a shock on a, a bottom part? Of the, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm I, okay. Go for it. I, I, I don't swim. <laughs> you don't sail either. No, I don't. <laughs> this is all based on a phone call I made to Mike because I was kind of looking for you know, that, that fountain of youth for tomatoes. You wanted that magic. And I, yeah, you, can, you like, can create it for yourself, provided you do something similar to what Tomato Tom has done for his 70 years of growing tomatoes. 
I mean, you are becoming your own specialist. And this is what we're promoting with this program. Yeah. Each person is becoming or to help them become their own specialist in their own way. Now, we've got YouTube videos that can go ahead and show you how to determine the difference between indeterminate and determinate tomatoes, which to a lot of people can be confusing. Uh, generally, I wouldn't recommend anybody pay much attention to that because I mean, unless you're really becoming a snob, a tomato snob, then yes. The smaller the tomatoes, the more, well, let's put it this way. There are the determinate tomatoes, which are going to determine the length and period and the size of the fruit. You've got the indeterminate, which is going to continue to produce for you. But let's say the indeterminate's only produced once and you're done. That's like the early girl tomatoes. Or say some of the, like the Romas, for instance, which are your paste tomatoes. But then you got the super steaks, the big boys. These guys that have been hybrids that are going to produce all the way to, well, let's say October, depending on if the weather's fine and the way that you've been treating your garden. And if you listen to this program, we can assist you to get your tomatoes to produce with indeterminate tomatoes all the way in through October. People talk about determinate and indeterminate. The easiest way I always remember it is indeterminate is like a, a, a multi bloomer flower. Grandiflora. Yeah. It's going to kick ass Blooms all the way once, through. You know, and then you got another one right behind it. Yeah. And another one the right behind it. The more you pinch it. off, the more it's going to produce. All right. Pinch off. Yeah. You led me right into That's this. That's where we're getting the suckers off. Yes. The suckers. We have a, a quiz for everybody out there, and I will throw a question on the Facebook page and everybody can comment on it, please. We ran across a video where a gentleman explains that you should not treat determinate and indeterminate tomatoes the same as far as clipping suckers off. That the indeterminates really are are made to bush out, become a mound. Um, so what do you guys do? A, do you do anything different? Do you know the, if you have determinants or indeterminants in your garden in the first place? And then B, do, do you trim them differently? See, I'm glad you're asking this because there's no absolute. There really isn't. I mean, what works for one person may not work for another person. It has so much to do with, with uh, location, location, location. Now, mind you, yes, let's say cherry tomatoes, uh, sweet 100s. You don't prune those at all. You leave them grow. They're going to be low growers. The hybrids that you're going to get that are going to be lower growers, you're not going to need to take those suckers off of it because you don't want to go with stock. You So the, so what you're saying there is it, where I think we maybe messed up on the tomato tom thing because we were talking about trimming, cutting those off. We didn't mess up. But we, we did not mess up. I, maybe we didn't clarify which ones you should. That we did not do. We did not clarify. However, there is, for instance, um, there are big boys, super steaks, and big steak, a big ste beef steaks. These are the ones that are going to get up to six feet tall. You're not going to want that to be all leaf because they get lazy. They're going to leave it to producing leaf. Right. You pinch off the suckers that are in there. You leave more air open because it's going to blow away those fungus spores. It's going to allow for the plant to sustain itself, get rid of some of the insect problems. It's a healthier plant. Now, if you were to leave it to be just a, the, the leave leafing, it to beaver, no, that's another. I love that show, Jerry Mathers. Never I'm, mind. I'm sorry, squirrel. Yeah, continue, Mike. 
If you have nothing but leaf, you're not going to get tomato. You got to search for the, that one flower that produced the tomato. So I definitely am going to recommend you continue, and I'm going to stand my ground on helping with the tomato tom. When it comes down to specialized tomatoes, that are, when I'm talking specialized, these are the determinants. These are the ones that are only going to produce once, and then when they're done, they're done. The early girls are one, for instance. The Roma tomatoes, one, for instance. They're going to be done once you do that. You don't have to prune out all of the suckers that are in there, but they're going to produce flour, and that's where your phosphorus comes in. So those that we don't want to prune out, you still need to prune a little bit for yeah. airflow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I mean, we so can't say it, there's an absolute for all of them. Absolutely right. not. So we're just clarifying. Yes. But, but I still, I'm still going to put that question out on Facebook and see who I'd responds. like to hear what other people respond to. I mean, because there's and elixirs. I mean, what they've done for or what granddad sent to them, you know, they've carried on for year after year because they paid attention to what granddad did. My God, my grandfather took me out to the... To his garden, which seemed like about a half an acre large, he had a walnut tree back there. I had to go to the bathroom. He goes, go behind the tree. My mom cussed him out. But he also showed me how to take care of certain things like tomato hornworm. It's an organic process. You just pick it up and you pinch it, and it goes gush all over the place. So we had a feast going out there and pinching all these things. You can learn so much by your predecessors in your family. And I want to hear what worked for them or from them or what you've discovered without that. Now, Scott's discovering all sorts of stuff without it. And you know what? I'm, I'm interested. I want to see what his banana tree does later on. So that is going to wrap up our quick little follow-up tomato, Tom. That will. We, want, we just wanted to get out there to like, you know, everybody's going for bloom like I was trying to, but let's don't forget about your support system. And again, you use too much of it. It'll lock things out like those nutrients that you need to help to sustain the stock, the root growth and the hardiness of the plant altogether. You need those solar panels or leaves. One one last congratulations to Amy's group. Those yeah, kids guys. keep Gals. rocking. Um, thanks, Mom and Dad, for allowing your kids to go out there and discover nature. Until the next episode, everybody. Mike. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah, Scott has his thumb up, and it's green. What does that mean? Green thumbs up, baby. Let's go, baby. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.